because a lot of property management company don't really manage money very well. Uh, you know, they move around funds across different ownership, different properties as well. And that's a big problem, right? Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hey, we've got the North Star Real Estate Conference coming April 24th and 25th in Minneapolis. And this conference is gonna be for everyone. We're covering the gamut of real estate. If you are just beginning, this conference is for you. If you have 100, 200, 500 units, this conference is for you. If you wanna get into commercial real estate, this conference is for you. And the best part about the North Star Real Estate Conference is the networking. The networking is phenomenal. We've got high performers there. We've got amazing speakers and amazing attendees that are gonna be adding a ton of value to your business. We can't wait to see you there April 24th and 25th. Check it out, I'll see you there. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me today, I'm excited to have James Kondasami. James, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having me on your show. You know, happy to be yeah, here. Definitely, definitely. I appreciate you joining me. And uh, why don't you give our listeners a little bit about your background, how you got into real estate, and where are you at today? Well, my background is uh, I'm a, you know started working as an engineer, worked for 22 years in the corporate world, I think, um, and after that resigned, not resigned, I was doing my single family houses in 2013 for two years. We did like 13 single family homes. Uh, we pulled out a lot of their equity, uh, even though we still have some of the houses there. Pulled out a lot of their equity and moved it to multifamily. Uh, right now, we own almost 1,700 units of course, with our passive investors, but we are the only GP in the deals. Uh, and, um, you know, we have raised almost $35 million across uh, 228 investors and uh, portfolio size is 130 million, but that's portfolio size. So, but, but we own the entire operation uh, A to Z, which is asset management, acquisition, financing, and we also do property management and also we do construction management. So we, we own the entire pipeline. So you kind of vertically integrated. So I'm assuming with that, you're doing it in your own backyard. Yeah, yeah. It's best to do your own backyard in that case because yeah. you know the local market, you can be you know, more, you can have a more economy of scale. Well, take me through the, well, first of all, I want to say something. And uh-huh. uh, you said yeah. it's, you've got, what did you say, 1,700 units? 1,700 units, yes. 1,700 Correct. units. Yes. Um, and one thing that you said that, I want to hit on and and it always strikes a little bit of nerve with me when people say, Oh, I've got 1700 units or 2000 units or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you find out that, well, they are like a half a percent. percent. (laughs) You said something is said you were the GP, the sole GP or your your company is a sole GP in every single one of them. And for our listeners who maybe don't understand that whole that means that you have, you're actually, I mean, not majority because your investors are probably the majority, but that means you've got the ownership yeah. of those. I would call that, hey, you actually own the 1,700 units. Yes, yes. We are the one, one, one neck to choke yeah. shop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there is no other GPs. We raise all our money ourselves. Uh, yeah. We operate it ourselves. I communicate direct to my investors and we have employees working for us. We have almost like 40, 
five employees right now working for us. Uh, so yeah, we 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 uh, build up that company from ground up uh, on our own with our passive investors. And so your all your properties are based in San Antonio and Austin. San Antonio and Austin. Okay, great, great. Um, so how did you go from you you were doing some single families? Uh, how did you go from that and decide, hey, let's just start buying these big properties with a bunch of partners? Well, I mean, we love single family. It's easier to find deals in single family. It cash flows uh, much higher if you have one by one, right? But, you know, when you're really good at doing single family, you want to do a lot of it and you get stuck at, you know, after 10, 12 properties. I mean, yeah. financing, the amount of work and the amount of, you know, insurance uh, renewal that you have to do, <laughs> all kind of things because everything is single, you know, individual entity, right? It becomes a lot of work and, you know, it doesn't scale. So we decided to, move out to multifamily, you know, um, and uh, I was having a lot of hard time between single family moving to multifamily because in multifamily, you don't, in multifamily, you really don't get, you know, a lot of cash and cash return uh, in the beginning, right? Uh, but I found this false appreciation concept, which a lot of people are missing out uh, when we talk about multifamily, right? Multifamily, it goes based on NOI. NOI, and you can use your skills to force appreciate the value compared yeah. to single family. And that makes a lot of difference, uh, you know, when you come to returns and scale and how much, how you can utilize this large sum of money to make a lot more money compared to, you know, small, small money. You know, you have to do a lot of work to, to grow the returns compared to this large sum of money where you can grow much more efficiently, I would say. Yeah, yeah. And so did you go right from the single family space to like a hundred plus unit building or did you take steps to get there? Oh, we bought our first deal was 45 units, right? So. Okay. Did um, you syndicate that deal as well? Yeah, it was syndicated. We had like five okay. uh, investors with that. Um, and, um, you know, uh, and after that from 45 units, we went to 174 units and both deals were found off market. We, we did uh, direct uh, connecting connecting directly to the sellers so we got really good deals uh, great deals on it and after that we went what 115 and the last deal we did we have like nine properties now the last deal we did is almost 346 units is that your biggest deal so far that's the biggest deals yes 346 units yeah it's a good size deal <laughs> yeah 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 you can always buy bigger deals but you know the numbers need to make sense right so yeah, yeah. <laughs> How did you find that deal? Was that through broker relationship? Was that through off market? Um, what, what was that deal? The last one? Yeah. The last deal was directly from a seller. So as the market is so hot right now, I'm not even looking at deals that is you know coming through emails, marketed and all that because I'm not really a fan of best and final, best and best and final, you know, bidding against yeah. yourself. You know, I think we and you'll be ending up, you know, paying the highest price, you know, at the hottest market. So you're basically you're getting double, triple whammy, <laughs> right? <laughs> First of all, the broker will promise the seller high price to get yeah. his listing, right? I mean, the yeah. seller had an option to go to many brokers and he select one broker, which has given him probably the highest price. So first, the broker already promised. Second is they come and market it and they do best and final, right? And best and best and final, right? So many, many self-bidding happening. And uh, after that, the market itself, the, we had a, we are, you know, we had one of the longest expansion cycles. So, so you have like three different factors that have cost you to pay really, you have, you have to overprice for it to get that deal, right? So I do not want to pray to, to make money on my investment. I rather, rather 
use my time to find deals which is you know come through different channels um like the last deal we did we bought directly from the seller it's almost a 30 plus million dollar deal so are you willing to share with me the secret mm-hmm. of how you found an off-market direct to seller mm-hmm. you know 300 plus unit building how how do you find something like that like that is it the same as finding a single family or you know what do you do well, let me tell you the secret for my first two deals. And I come to the last one because it's a, a, three different approaches, right? So the first two deals we found, we saw 45 units and 174 units. We found using uh, cold texting, right? So uh, I did- texting? Yes, yes. Really? Okay. It's not even cold calling or cold emailing. <laughs> I, went, I tried cold calling. I tried the yellow letter marketing too, right? So we tried a few options, right? I mean, yeah. my concept is you have to do what 99% of the people don't, don't want to do, right? So- right to find deals, right? To get started. I mean, I, we, we bought that deal in 2015 and even I can tell you in 2015, the market was really, really hot as hot as now. Right. So, um, so it's always harder to find deals. So when we found that deal, we used cold texting and I, we found the guy who's connected to the seller and they sold us the, you know, uh, the first two deals. Right. Um, but the last deal, uh, the one I got the $330 million deal is uh, I got it through my Facebook group. Through my Facebook group it's called multifamily investors group uh, in Facebook. And uh, you know, just I mean, we have our own group. We have like 4,000 members in it and you know, just putting yourself out there as an expert. And um, you know, I said, what did you say? I'm looking for a 300 plus unit building. Please send me your deal. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I didn't even approach them. They, they, they texted me. They say, Hey, there's a deal in this city. They know I'm a buyer in that, in that city. So, yeah. and they, he just texted uh, two liners. We have a deal, 50% rehab. Uh, are you interested or not? You know, I get a lot of that kind of texts all the time, right? Or email, right? And I know yeah. a lot of wholesalers are trying to sell. And I said, sure, whatever it is, send me. And, and he really sent me a PNL. And I was, okay, let me, let me see whether this guy is a true guy or not. <laughs> huh. And uh, to my surprise, he's really an acquisition guy of, on a big uh, firm um, out of Denver. And um, I mean, they did try to sell it, uh, you know, but, you know, selling it through other channels have different fees and, and um, you know, since they know that I'm a, uh, I'm a, a true buyer in that market, they just uh, offered it to me. And uh, yeah, it was a fun ride to buy that deal because working directly to the seller um, and everybody was professional. Right? So we negotiated the price, uh, we did the due diligence. Uh, at some point, um, you know, I did try to come out of the contract because the price didn't match what we found in due diligence, but later they came back to me and uh, gave me what I wanted. So I mean, the price made sense at another day uh, compared to the rehab that we need to do. And, uh, you know, they win and uh, we win too, right? So, yeah, it's crazy. That's what, that's what matters. I mean, you get, it's got to, the numbers have to work out for you. It doesn't matter if the broker brings it to you or you find yeah. it off market. Um, have you bought deals from brokers? Have they all been completely off market? No, no, no. I bought it from brokers, uh, but I don't think so. Any of my deals are true. Maybe one, maybe true. uh, uh I don't, think so. I don't think so. It went through a best and finally just that yeah. was marketed as few guys and broker said, hey, you are the best guy. You're the most qualified guy. And yeah. you know, I think maybe one out of nine, right? If I'm not mistaken. Um, Every deal by a broker, by the way, is, is on market. We just say it's <laughs> off market, but it's yeah. been listed. Maybe not listed, you know, it's maybe not mm-hmm. fully shot out there, fully packaged, but 
the brokers at least talk to more than just you. You'd like to think okay, absolutely the only one. And sometimes I, I go and think I'm the, probably the only one, but I, really? Probably not. Probably not. No, no. no. There's no such thing as off-market. There's such thing as off-market premium, right? When they tell you this is off-market, you you may have to, sometimes, a lot of times, buyers do pay a lot more than putting on market because they think there's some cool factor to it. Um, Compared to you going back to the seller and say that I already marketed this to death and this is the price you can get. The seller are more, this is the seller is more receptive to that. I mean, yeah. Compared to, you know, we tried off market and we got this price and the seller may think, oh, maybe I can get more if I market it, right? So, right. but, you know, it's, it's a psychological effect on the buyer side and on the seller side, right? Buyer thing is, is I'm getting a great deal because it's off market. Uh, on the seller side, uh, you know, they just want to get rid of it or, you know, they know the broker does it, their best to find the best buyer. So tell me a little bit about the vertical integration um, mm-hmm. and why you decided to go that route versus just, you know, being a multifamily acquisition company and then hiring everything else out. So when we started on our 45 units, uh, we, we did contemplate to use third-party property management because the 45 units was managed by third-party. But when we look at the PNL, we see so much of inefficiency, right, uh, on the third-party property management company that was managing that property. And, um, and this is one of the largest property management company in, in, uh, like in San Antonio, right? And it was probably, if these people are doing this inefficient, you know, yeah. <laughs> most of them are going to be like that. And even this, every deal, every first three, two, three deals, we always say, maybe we should give third party. But every time we look at these different, different property management company who are like, you know, the largest companies in Texas, uh, you know, so, so much of inefficiencies, right? So, and what's, what's one inefficiency that you can point out well very simple right like for marketing right so any you know uh any random property management company is going to random to like you know randomly uh invest uh money into like you know three or four marketing outlets right uh, apartments.com apartment lease and i mean for them it's just money to be you know to be paid for marketing it's just a budget right yeah. but as for me i would always look what is the most effective uh what's my yeah, yeah, what's my ROI, right? I, it's 80-20% rule, right? So right. so if one ad source is giving me a lot more leads than the others, why should I pay the same amount of money, right? So I yeah. just cut it off, right? So I usually do that kind of experiment. So you always look for the best marketing source and stick to them. So that reduces your marketing costs. Um, even payroll, right? So, you know, on a 300 units, is by default, you need to have six employees, right? Yep. But we have seen when properties are stabilized, you know, you probably need like five employees, right? Because there's not much things to do when things are stabilized, when, you know, your operation runs very effectively. But, but if it's third party, they're going to say, no, 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 we need six. You know, don't negotiate with us, right? Because they do not want to have the, they do not want to take that chance of, you know, reducing their staff and all that, right? So, yeah. but we can, if you are own operators, you can always look on what are they doing every day? Are they being really busy? Can this person, can this one person do two person's job or not, right? Is the office really busy, right? Um, so you can look at all these, which reduces your expenses and increases. And you never your ask the office staff, by the way, if they're busy, because they're always going to say yes. Yeah, yeah, they're always busy. <laughs> but uh, we can see, I mean, when we go yeah. to the office, we can see how busy they are, how much phone is ringing. Um, you know, usually when the phone rings a lot, you know, there's a lot of work orders are not being done. So it's not because <laughs> the people are busy for no reason, right? So yeah. maybe your maintenance crews are not good. So we look for that kind of things and we try to diagnose and try to reduce uh, expenses.
expenses as well. I mean, I mean, there are cons to being an owner operator as well. Like we, you know, there's a lot of process and system that we have to create ourselves compared to yeah. the third party where they already established, they have a lot of stuff, they can move around. Whereas we, you know, we have to like really suffer with our own, like, you know, one or two property managers that we have when we are starting up, right? Once you grow yeah. bigger, you should be fine. Um, you know, accounting team need to be well-funded and uh, need to be smooth, need to be done correctly. So, you know, we have to learn through the hard way to do that right. Uh, now we got it right. Uh, but in the beginning, we, we it did take uh, some time, some process to do that. So they are pro and con in both. But I think our primary reason is, is a value. We do a lot of value add and we need control on the deals to turn around quickly. And if I give it to third-party property management, first, they're going to take really long time to turn because, you know, it's not their baby, right? It's not their investors they need to answer. Second is uh, they're going to charge me, you know, uh, general contractor fee, project management fee, all kind of fee they're going to charge because it's additional work. So, yeah. and, and in essence, you don't really make money in property management. It's more of a control uh, to, to get to the end goal of uh, investment business plan. So are you charging your investors a property management fee or are you just charging them straight cost? Oh, property management fee. That's, yeah. that's, that's, you're uh, just, that's just like you were using a third party. You're charging yes. yourself essentially a third party fee or charging Correct. your investors. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's part of the operation, right? I mean, any lenders, any buyer, you know, is expected to have a, yeah. you know, uh, three, three plus percent of uh, management fee. Yeah. Uh, and then you said you do uh, construction in-house too? Yeah, I mean, construction is not like we do ground up construction. No, we do, yeah. we manage our own rehabs, you know, we don't hire GCs, you know, so it's just, uh, it's just, we found out the GCs to be expensive, right? Yeah. GCs are good, good, good. They're not really good with managing their funds. End up, uh, they take up like two, three projects uh, all around the city and they delay your projects. The fund is not there and all the case. So we said, uh, forget about all that. No, we're just going to do it ourselves and we just hire our subcontractors, it gives us a lot of leverage in terms of building relationship with subcontractors. Yeah. 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 I mean, I used to do a lot of flipping every single mm -hmm. year. It just didn't make any sense to hire mm -hmm. general contractors when they, you know, they, they might be charging you 15%, but in reality, it's probably more like 20 to 25%. Uh, yeah. yeah. When you look okay. at the overhead and, yeah. and you look at the material overruns that they have and all that kind of stuff. So, and then yeah. they, like you said, you, you can't control, um, most of them aren't very good at business management or money management in my opinion. Correct. Uh, yes. And if they are, they're probably charging you even more. No, uh, if they are, they're probably, you know, doing much more higher sophisticated level of general yes. construction, right? They're doing single family or small multifamily. They're probably not that sophisticated, right? Yeah. So yes. <laughs> that's why they are doing at that level, right? So. Right. Right. so but GC's skills are very important. It's a very hard skill to find. Um, but it's just so hard to find a GC who's like, you know, charging you reasonably at the same time, uh, being on schedule, manage your money and all that. They always roll around money and similar to property management companies, a lot of property management companies don't really manage money very well. Uh, you know, they move around funds across different ownership, different properties as well. And that's a big problem, right? So, yeah, yeah. yeah you definitely want to be aware of that, where, where these, funds are going and and i've seen statements where it's like well, who who's this person like oh yeah mm -hmm. well we had to we you know paid this bill through your account because of this it's like wait a second <laughs> that's not how it works you know yeah it's not yeah, your yeah. bank yeah yeah, so. yeah i didn't know that thing until like 
when I recently, when I hire, you know, a few more senior level people in property management and, and we, we were telling them, you know, all properties is self-funded, right? Uh, they were surprised. Wow, really? I mean, you don't move around money? No. <laughs> no. And I asked them, is it common practice? They say, yeah, it's very common practice to move around money between ownership and properties, right? So Rob Peter to pay Paul. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know whether everybody's doing it or not, but, you know, certainly there's a quite number of property management companies doing it. Yeah, I mean, I can see it happening uh, on a, definitely, but it's it's something, in my opinion, it should be avoided if you can. I mean, you're. Oh, yeah, you shouldn't do that. I mean, you can yeah. commingle different investors' money, investment but, money. Right, especially when it's not, I mean, you're deal, whether you're dealing with investors or, you know, however, it's just, it's those are different money mm-hmm. allocated for different reasons. And you're trying to play the banker. Uh, just, yeah. You're going to yeah. end up getting yourself stuck. In the yeah. Game. I mean, everything is good when market is good, like right now. But when right. market turns, then, you know, then turns, a lot of yeah. things will be. <laughs> hey, we've got the North Star Real Estate Conference coming April 24th and 25th in Minneapolis. And this conference is going to be for everyone. We're covering the gamut of real estate. If you are just beginning, this conference is for you. If you have 100, 200, 500 units this conference is for you if you want to get into commercial real estate this conference is for you and the best part about the north star real estate conference is the networking the networking is phenomenal we've got high performers there we've got amazing speakers and amazing attendees that are going to be adding a ton of value to your business we can't wait to see you there april 24th and 25th check it out i'll see you there what do you think about that? What do you think about market turn? Where are we at? No, I don't want to ask you where we're at because that's, that's mm-hmm. a fair question. Because that's an economics has. question. <laughs> right, right, right. But, but where are you at as far as like your philosophies moving forward? Are, are you aggressively buying? Are you really pulled back and, and maybe not buying? Kind of where are you at in that whole assessment of things right now? So I'm not aggressively buying. In fact, I've stopped uh, looking at deals, uh, cookie cutter deals, right? Cookie cutter value at deals, right? Like mm-hmm. 15, 20% IRR, uh, you know, I'm no more looking at that kind of deal. So Interesting. I'm completely changing my strategy, you know, not to be aggressively buying, but, you know, you know try to look for off-market deals where they are, you know, distressed debt or distressed owners, uh, you know, I rather wait for that kind of opportunity to come rather than keep on buying deals. So, so my goal is not to buy like 5,000 units in the next one year or two years, like some people are 2,000. So I'm no more putting a goal based on units because I think that forces you to buy, you know, bad deals. (laughs) Right. So, um, so I'm just taking it slowly right now. Um, you know, Multifamily is not the only asset class which makes money, right? There's also other asset classes which mm-hmm. makes money. So mm-hmm. I'm evaluating that as well. Even though I, I'm very, very particular about sponsor focusing on maximum two asset class, right? Because there's a lot of nuances in each asset class. So, so I'm still evaluating that. At the same time, I'm uh, focusing a lot on operations, putting in systems and process to make sure that my current deals are doing well, right? Because that's very important when market turns. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're talking about, you know, distressed, more distressed properties, are we talking about properties that are are low occupancy, you know, 70% occupied, maybe 60% occupied? Are we talking about Mm -hmm. properties that just have um, kind of, kind of major renovations? Is that the type of properties you're kind of 
hunting. That is one of it. Yes, that's one of it. But you need to be priced to that whatever value (laughs) that I can bring. I mean, you can't say 70% occupied, but I'm going to sell it as though it's 80% occupied, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of deals like that, right? So even, I mean, because the market is so strong, a lot of people are looking at multifamily now. Um, You know, that kind of deals are potential to happen, right? Uh, So I'm looking more for true deals, right? So distress deals, distress uh, operators, and potentially distress debt as well. So a lot of these are not available right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but I'm trying to see how can I be prepared for it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. It, it, it's funny that you say that because I'm kind of doing essentially the exact same thing. I'm looking at, mm-hmm. um, I'm still looking at the opportunities where they're, where they're more stabilized, but I'm also mm-hmm. kind of looking at, okay, should I focus on some of these very distressed assets? And then also mm-hmm. looking at, same thing with, there's a lot of different asset classes that, within mm-hmm. commercial real estate and there's opportunity in some of these other ac- asset classes that might make a lot of sense. So mm-hmm. yeah. looking at different types of asset classes within the commercial real estate realm. Yes. Yes. I mean, and the day commercial real estate is commercial real estate. I mean, there's certainly multifamily had a really good run in the past nine years just because yeah. of the, you know, more renters, uh, the demographic shift in, in divorce rate, uh, in divorce rate and student housing. I mean, student debt, a lot more people become renters, uh, baby boomers become renters, uh, you know, rent has been growing really good, but uh, the odds of it continuing is just not there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I wanna know, like, what are you doing? You, you, you mentioned you're working on operations. What are the specific things you're trying to do right now to, to help? Uh, like, what kind of things can you pass on to our listeners to help them understand, okay, how can I improve my operations? How can I make sure my business is being operated successfully so that these properties do continue through uh-huh. a downturn and you know through different ebbs and flows of, of the cycles? Yeah, we're trying to look at all our expenses to see is there anything that we can cut, uh, but that is very... Um, you know, very centric to expenses. On the income side, we're trying to see is there any miscellaneous income we can add in that without, you know, we putting in capital. Uh, but that's all income and expense, right? But just in terms of, you know, having a smooth operation, like everybody need to know what we are doing, right? Uh, um, on, a, on a very systematic way, right? So we're trying to implement this, you know, uh, standard systems and process. Like everybody need to know when you need to trigger an eviction process. Right, so mm-hmm. you know, rent is late on uh, on the fourth, um, and then we file eviction on the tenth. And you know, how long? The, what's the process to go until the eviction uh, card? And when do we file rates? So we want everybody to know that, right? So things like that. You know, how what what do we do? Make ready. How long does each make ready takes? So, uh, how long a unit can be sitting idling after make ready? So we're trying to standardize all that process so that you know as you grow i think you need that cookie cutter you know mcdonald's chick-fil-a uh systems into the apartment industry right because you know otherwise it's a bit hard to grow yeah super important right now i mean especially you know you guys have 1700 units it's only going to get more complicated as you get more mm-hmm. units once you have 3400 units it's going to be mm-hmm. you know even even more difficult if you don't have any of that stuff in place so the bigger you, definitely the bigger you get, but even somebody who's sitting there listening to us and maybe has uh, 10 units of single families and they want to get to 20 units. I mean, 
Mm. Same thing. You've got to learn how to got to learn how to scale it. You've got to learn these systems and processes. You've got to be able to write that stuff down so everybody knows what they're doing. The, the eviction is like the most simple thing. I mean, I, I just I, I've got a property um, that's a out of state duplex. I've got a third party property manager, and I just you know they're this tenant is way behind on rent, and I wasn't keeping my you know, my eye in the ball and, and they said, Hey, when do you want to evict this tenant? And it's like, Oh, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> you didn't ask me, right? <laughs> yeah, like this wasn't this a process we should have in place already. Yeah. So it's just the simple things like that. Sometimes it's like, do you have, it does everybody on your team understand what we all need to do to have success. And, and so I really like that you went there. Yeah. Um, What's a, what's a mistake that you've made and how have you learned from it? Uh, mistakes. Uh, um, well, some mistakes, I'm not sure whether it's a mistake or not because we have not gone through a full, uh, you know, like, you know, like looking at some deals where we could have uh, done a lot more due diligence on it. I think uh, yeah. that was one mistake. Yeah. But sometimes you just do not know until you you do not you do not know what you do not know, right? So you know some of the issues. Uh, um, you know we could have done better in due diligence. I mean, um, you know, good thing you know we have cash to cover up our mistakes. But you know, you know it could have been a much larger due diligence mistake, right? In some deals, right? So you want to be really do due diligence on a on a deal very thoroughly. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's so easy to make some mistakes, and if you're not being completely thorough, those those can bite you. And you said you're mm-hmm. lucky because you had enough money, but man, what if you didn't? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> or what if they're just a little bit more expensive and, you, and it didn't cover? So, yeah. Um, what's a favorite? What's a favorite business or real estate book you could pass on to our listeners? Business book. Um, uh, I think the one thing is a really good book by Gary Keller. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the one thing. Um, um, other business book. Well, I do not know about other business book. Uh, oh, maybe this one. Um, must, um, the most important thing by Howard Marks. It talks about market cycle um, and how psychologically people, you know, keep on buying without thinking. Hmm. And everybody thinks the cycle will never end. Um, so he talks about um, market cycle and why does the market cycle happen and all that. So that be, um, might be a great book for people to buy right now. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about the market cycle. Yeah, yeah, I'm reading that, and I can see whatever he says is happening right now, right? So people think there's no end inside. Multifamily yeah. will continue booming. There's, you know, there's so much lenders uh, out there willing to give you capital. There's a lot of real estate investors who are feeling the fear of missing out. He mentioned exactly as what is happening right now. Yeah. And I think he meant he, he missed out one thing in his book because he's, a, he's an older guy, so he may not know this. Right now is a lot more exaggerated by the social media, mm. right? Uh, the FOMO effect, right? The fear of missing out effect is a lot more exaggerated by by social media, which is, you know, yeah. it can amplify the effect, right? Because right now you can see people closing deals. People are, you know, so everybody else is feeling like, oh my God, I should have been involved in real estate and make money, right? So, so that one thing that he missed out in his book, but we can't blame him, right? Because he's not the current generation guy, but, um, but that's a really good book. Uh, the most important thing. He has two books, the most important thing and mastering the market cycle. Both, both books are almost similar content. 
It'll be interesting with that social media that you just mentioned. Uh-huh. And, and as it continues to change and evolve and even get bigger, uh-huh. when the market does finally shift, does uh-huh. that social media play an influence on how long the next recession lasts? Will it last longer because of it or will it last a shorter period of time because of it? Or will it just have no effect? I don't know. But it'll be really interesting to see how that plays into it. Yeah, I don't know whether it can you know, it can determine how long is the down cycle because we do not know exactly down cycle. But I think we'll it make would it have, deeper. It may make it deeper because you know there's a lot more people who has the FOMO effect. <laughs> a lot of fear mongers out there throwing. Yes, out yes, correct, correct. Everybody run for the hills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, multifamily is still a really, really great asset, right? Uh, yeah. But you have to buy it right. Yeah. Right, yeah. And, and that's the key. Yeah, that's the key. I mean, it's still a really good asset. It's a, it's a solid asset class. A lot of people need houses to stay. And, uh, you know, we, we get really good financing from the uh, Fannie and Freddie Mac and a lot of agencies. So, you know, all that, you know, and it's a non-recourse loan, most a lot of it, if you buy the agency loans right, with, the, with the agency loan. So still a really good asset, um, but you have to buy it right. And that's where the problem is right now. A lot of people are just overpaying. Yeah, I mean, look, the multifamily—it's commercial real estate. It's a cash flow game, and so many people mm-hmm. get caught up in the appreciation. I like appreciation as much as everybody else. I like forced appreciation the most, but mm-hmm. we all like appreciation. But it's still a cash flow game. So if you're buying mm-hmm. assets that just fundamentally don't make sense, mm-hmm. you're gonna get stuck. I mean, I just talked with somebody that was talking about all these people that are buying properties, and this was in like the single family, one to four family. Um, but they're just buying properties that don't cash flow just to have some real estate, have their hands <laughs> on real estate. And that makes no sense. And people that lived through 2008 crash and Correct. got burned by it, everybody mm-hmm. that I talked to, I'm sure you're the same. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody that got burned by it had a lot of them had that same philosophy of we're just buying real estate, buying real mm. estate to buy real estate. We, we don't care mm. what the, like the fundamentals look like. We're just buying it because real estate's, you know, like, like it's, gold, cool. You know? it's cool. <laughs> yeah, everybody. Yeah. And all of a sudden something happens and catastrophic and all, then, then people swear off real estate and it's the worst thing ever. It's the worst thing ever. Yeah. I still think it's definitely better investment than stocks and bond. Um, because yeah. you can't control the other two, right? This right. one is controlled. It's just that you have to buy it right. Still have to buy it right. Yeah. So, so James, um, last kind of question before we wrap up. What are your yeah. three pillars of wealth creation? Three pillars of wealth creation. Uh, mindset is definitely a pillar. You have to have that mindset of that you can create wealth and you want to create and you need to have that burning desire to create wealth. Second is persistence. You have to think differently from everybody else, right? Um, um, if you're doing the same thing as what everybody else is doing, you're probably you know, getting the same results as what everybody else or you probably could never start because everybody is looking at the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to be persistent in finding different solutions. Uh, third is just a hard work. You have to work hard. There's no such, there's no shortcut to success. Don't think some guru out there is going to make you rich. Don't think market's going to make you rich. Uh, you know, you have to work really, really hard. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's, there's great mentors out there. There's, there's great programs out there. There's great podcasts out there, books, whatever, but you still have to bust your butt. Yeah. It's not just, it's nobody's going to hand it to you on a silver platter. Uh, mm-hmm. You got to bust your butt. Absolutely. Absolutely.
no two ways about it. Awesome. Well, I love it. Uh, we could keep on talking, I'm sure, for a long time, but uh, <laughs> yeah. we, we got to wrap up. Thanks a lot for joining us on the show. Appreciate it. A lot of great information. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, Oh, wait a second. Sorry. Uh-huh. I totally messed up. Uh-huh. How can our listeners get in touch with you? And you got your own podcast. Yes, so yes. How can they reach that too? So, that's, yeah, I have my own podcast called Achieve Wealth Through Value at Real Estate Investing where I interview a lot of uh, operators. Uh, Todd was in the podcast. I think yours, yours is going to come out soon. Uh, I also have a book for passive investors. A book uh, is called Commercial uh, passive investing in commercial real estate, the insider secrets to financial independence, um, which is an Amazon, it's an audio book, a physical book and Kindle. Uh, so that, that is the only book out there that talks from passive investor perspective, right? Uh, on how can you invest or be more smarter passive investors, mm. right? Uh, my Facebook group, multifamily investors group. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very active there. I'm in LinkedIn as well. Um, yeah, and it's these other places where, you know, people can uh, get in touch with me. Do you have a website? Oh, yeah. my Sorry. My website is achieveinvestmentgroup.com. Achieve is like achieving a goal. And my email is james at achieveinvestmentgroup.com. A-C-H-I-E-V-E. Awesome, awesome. Well, if you, as a listener, want to get a hold of James, check out his podcast, great podcast. Uh, the book sounds fantastic. Uh, you know what? Even if you're an active investor and are thinking about getting passive investors. This sounds like a fantastic book because it helps arm you for the questions that they should be asking anyway. Uh Um, So I think no matter what, this sounds like a great book and, uh, and Facebook group. I'm a part of that too. Yeah. um, Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks James. Appreciate it. You have a fantastic rest of the day. Thanks for having me, Todd. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, Give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. Your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also, look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out, and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.